listening to Law and Gospel on this Rumination Thursday, October the 17th, in the year of our Lord, 2019. And back with us in the saddle is Reverend Wes Reimnitz, home from assignment. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm doing really good, and uh, we're ready to hear what a terrible sinner you are. Oh, I like to think of it as uh, Peter Kurowski says, uh, as saint. Oh, yeah. He always refers to everybody as Saint Thomas, Saint Wes. I always refer to him as Sinner Thomas, Sinner Wes. <laughs> yeah, people ask me, how are you doing today? Uh, not very good. Why? Well, I'm a sinner. <laughs> so, last week we talked about the two kinds of righteousness and we spoke about the wrong kind of righteousness that every religion has, namely, by your works you can become Work. righteous so God saves you. And then the two proper kinds of righteousness was the righteousness that Christ has given you in your baptism, the robe of righteousness. And then through the power of the Holy Spirit, you actually are enabled to do righteous good works. Well, today we're going to talk about the two kinds of sin. So do you want to start us off on that as to what is meant by two kinds of sin? Well, you know, I had this vision while I was driving down the road the other day. You know, it's always 2020 when I had my glasses on. I saw this bumper sticker that said, I like dirty minds. I have a dirty mind. Join in with me. And I thought, okay. What is this uh, guy in the SUV trying to get across here? And what because you, I was thinking what, of, what do you think he was getting across? Oh, we'll get into that in a second. But you, you know, I was I was thinking about the previous week when we talked about the two kinds of righteousness. Right. We qu quickly had gone through the two types or two kinds of sin, which was original sin and actual sin, and I was. Starting to think, what did he mean? Original sin or actual sin? In, original sin is the sin that we're we're born with that that came. We call it sometimes hereditary uh, from our original um, parents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin, and we are in sin. Actual sin are sins that we commit. So that was. Uh, I thought. Hmm, I think we may have to take a closer look at this. Yeah, a um, Christian could have that bumper sticker on his car referring to the fact that I'm bad, join with me, and that would be the ministry of John the Baptizer. Right. A, a ministry of but, repentance. But that's not right. probably how that guy meant it. In no, no, no. There were... Immorality and such like that, join with me and let's forget about the Bible, let's forget about morality. Uh, evolution, there is no morality in evolution. You can do whatever you want. It's survival of the fittest. Well, we pulled up to the next stop sign, and he was in front of me by then, and he goes, I could see the rest of his stickers. One said, uh, come out, come out. Generally, we say wherever you are, but his said, whoever you are, yeah. uh, which is something that a Christian could say. And But then next to it is that... Second time he had that, that sticker, I like dirty minds, uh -huh. join in with me. And on the other side, it said, 
marriage is not for heterosexuals only. Well, yeah, there's uh, Satan's car right there. No doubt about yeah. it. That's uh, broadcasting Satan's message. And you know what happens to people who do that. I had a real interesting was an interview that Todd was having on issues, etc. And the point that was being made is that these folks that are getting involved in extramarital sex, uh, homosexual sex, and abortion, they're having terrible consequences occur in their life. And the way mm. to fight this is this is really a protection of people to make sure they don't join into this uh, horrible, demonic understanding of reality and instead keep them straight. But what's the biggest problem, particularly in evangelical churches, in regard to original sin? They, they really don't believe in original sin. In fact, uh, Luther uh, kind of got on swingly for that, that somehow we were not born with original sin, according to some of the Reformed teachings, and that it, it comes on to us later, you know, or the age of accountability is when Excellent. we can yeah. ex accept Christ into our life. Yeah, there's a Latin phrase, tabula rasa, which means that a person is born with a blank slate of works, and then he makes a choice himself whether to be good or to be bad. And if he makes a choice to be good, God saves him. If he makes a choice to be bad, God doesn't. But by denying original sin, that every infant is born guilty of sin, then there's no need for baptism of infants. That's right. But, uh, you know, in the Confessions, it talks about that uh, in, in the Augsburg Confession, where it talks about that we, were, we all, since the fall, were naturally born with sin in us. And it quotes uh, Psalm 51.5 and John 3, for that instance. Yeah, there's no doubt that the Bible teaches original sin. It was really clarified by Augustine, but he was using the Bible verses. So we don't want to give the impression that at only at the time of Augustine did original sin become something that people began believing in. No, it was begun because as... Pentecost shows they baptized not only the adults who were repentant of their sins, but also their little ones, their children, who as yet had not uh, received, say, the understanding of what sin is and repentance and such, because baptism was a taking them out of the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean that uh, original sin then is taken away as well? No. The original sin is still there. Uh, one of the ways that people talk about it is in baptism, the devil is drowned, but he's still a pretty good swimmer. And so <laughs> we get this similustus et peccator. Do you want to explain that? What, sinner and saint? Yes. Uh, at one point, we're, we're still a sinner, but also at a... At the same time, we're, we are considered a saint, declared righteous in Christ. 
And that's where we get back to that righteousness from last week. The robe of righteousness is worn by sinners. And they don't receive Mm -hmm. the robe because they're so good. In fact, they receive it when they're really attempting to destroy Christianity. The best example I can give is Saul on the road to Damascus. He hadn't had a change of heart or anything. Why did God give him that righteousness of Christ? It was because of grace and mercy, not because of Paul's good works. And interesting enough, it is Christ who says to him on the road to Damascus, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Exactly. That he was persecuting Jesus in persecuting the others. In fact, uh, the parable of the what they call the prodigal son, I like calling it the parable of the two lost sons, both the older and the younger. Mm. But be that as it may, when the younger son realizes that there's food back at his father's house, he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'll go back to dad. I'll say, I, I'm sorry for what I did, but give me the best job on the farm. <laughs> He's going mm. back to manipulate the father. And it is in that action of trying to manipulate the father that the father hugs him that wasn't expected by the son and then puts on him the sandals the ring and the best robe which would be the robe of the father that salvation is given when we're in the midst of unbelief not understanding the father as we should right i in in looking at this i took a look at uh, Romans chapter 5. I think it, Romans chapter 5 is excellent in talking about we'll give a our original of sin. verses there from that. Well, for instance, 18. Therefore, therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation of all men, so the act of righteousness leads to justification of, of all men. For by one... Man's disobedience was made sinners, so by one, obedience is made made others righteous. So on the one hand, we pick up original sin through Adam. And on the other hand, we pick up righteousness through, through faith in Christ. In other words, it was the disobedience of Adam that caused the inheritance of sin and guilt for every human being, and it was the obedience of Jesus that takes that away, replacing it with the robe of righteousness. Righteousness, yes. And I also ran across in uh, Formula Concord the Thorough Declaration, and I would like for you to explain a little bit when it talks about that that the original sin is in the nature of man, and it's not what we call the nature of man. Yes, yes, because Jesus had the nature of man when he became incarnate, but he did not have original sin. Mm. He had to become sin for us, which occurred at the baptism of John the baptizer. Interesting. You you take it right to Christ. It's a great way of explaining the incarnation of Christ, isn't it? Yes, And he could not have died, even as a human being, had he not been declared to be a sinner by God the Father, which is very clear also from 2 Corinthians. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So Mm. the Bible really explains everything. Now, 
During the time of Luther, and even today to some degree in the Roman Catholic Church, they make a distinction between sin as mortal or venial. And in Luther's day, mortal meant that it was deadly sin. In fact, if you committed certain sins at one time in the Roman Catholic Church, such as murder or adultery, there was no forgiveness at all. There wasn't enough Mm. penance you could do. But... They make this distinction that a mortal sin is something for which you will die. A venial sin is not as serious a sin, and it's not necessarily something that you're going to go to hell for. And I I believe that's why in their new catechism, they really believe that good Jews, good Muslims are saved because they're only doing venial sins, not mortal sins. I was wondering about that too. I mean, they they make those two actual. First of all, it's about actual sins, sins that are committed, which is that second kind that we're we're talking about. And I found it confusing when I was reading through the Roman Catechism on mortal sins because uh, they they fudged on grievous and. Will, and, and they said free will to, to act in that manner, to create a, a moral sin. And uh, very confusing, I think, for somebody to be reading that. They have a scale of sin that some sins are more serious and therefore take more penance and uh, etc. Whereas we don't understand mortal and venial lutherans don't in the same way we believe that any sin if unrepentant can become a mortal sin but if become repentant any sin is considered a venial sin right you know, well back to the scriptures in romans it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god yes and the word all includes infants Mm-hmm. When are you going to say that doesn't include all? It was the same way in baptism when we say, you know, to go out and baptize all the nations. Children are, and infants are part of a nation. You see, once you get wrong on one part of Scripture, then you're going to be wrong in a lot of others. Once you don't believe in original sin, then you won't be baptizing infants. And uh, uh, that, pardon. I think that's a, I think that's a point that you bring out that that I was wondering about too. Is what, what do you do with the scriptures? Hasn't that led to where we have in, in our Christian society people who believe that the Word of God is somewhere contained and we're above that word, and we have to figure out what the Word of God is. That, We don't see it as all inspired by God. A lot of people read the Bible like they read the opinion page of their daily newspaper. They may or may not accept what is being said, especially if people are writing about the president of the United States. If you're for him, you're not going to agree with a lot that's said, for example, in the Post-Dispatch, which is all negative towards the president, whereas other newspapers would be more positive, etc., So they look at the post-dispatch and the opinion page. These are the thoughts of those men that may be right or wrong. So when they look at the prophets and the apostles, and this is so obvious, you've got the 
Evangelical Lutheran Church of America that just bypasses all the clear texts against homosexuality and says, well, that was the writings of the prophets and the apostles. That's not God's understanding of it today. We have a better understanding because we now have the Holy Spirit who tells us what is right in the Bible and what is wrong in the Bible. And that's often said by a woman pastor, which the Bible says is dead wrong for a woman to be a pastor. Mm. And in the epistle of Peter, doesn't it say holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit? Yes. In other words, all of Scripture is inspired by God. That doesn't mean that that was a dictation thing, that the Holy Spirit, you know, said things. They wrote it down by dictation. Instead, the Holy Spirit reminded them of what Jesus had done, for example, with the apostles and therefore gave an insight into it. But they wrote in their own language, in their own words. You know, a good scholar, and you know this, there's professors at the seminary, if you can give them a segment of scripture, they can tell you, oh, that was written by Paul or Peter or John because of the differences in how they write uh, in the Greek. And that's also true about the, the Hebrew. There's different forms. And people do this all the time. When you, the, the reason some novels are really read a lot is because the person has a gift of writing that keeps your attention, whereas other writing you get real boring with. But the, the common thread all through the 66 books is is uh, a story about Jesus and the salvation that, that he has brought forth for all mankind. Yeah, as I've said a number of times, I would not let my Sunday school teachers teach unless they visited with me ahead of time. We had a class. And the two things we were looking at is, where is Jesus in the text? And number two, how do we apply law and gospel to the children? Gospel. And until yeah. those two things are understood, then the Sunday school teacher is just probably might as well just read the lesson and say, thus says the Lord, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. I really see this, this whole thing of, of not accepting the Bible as the inspiration of God. And it's it's just a man-made book that we can decide on what we got or don't get. Yeah as a problem to to a lot of the things that we see going on in our Christian church, let alone the world itself. Yeah, in the old days, we used to speak about the cults, like uh, Mormonism, Muslims, etc., not having Jesus. But today, you can find so-called Christian congregations that also agree with the cults. Uh, the ELCA, as we recently uh, demonstrated at their convention, indicated that they are now in fellowship with Muslims and Jews and other religions uh, because we don't know who God thinks is a Christian and who doesn't. So we can't make that kind of a decision and speak out against them. In, in fact, do you know what's happening in California? They're trying to make a law that churches cannot speak out against homosexuality and if that comes about then what we're saying we can't also then offer the forgiveness of sins to somebody to whom we can't say they're sinning <laughs> mm. 
That brings up an interesting principle. And what do they do when you preach? Uh, come in and arrest you and take you off to jail? Yeah, I was surprised at a court that as a husband and wife, and they had a son, and the wife wanted the son to be a girl. And so mm. when the son is with the wife, like shopping or going around, he's dressed like a girl, and I guess he's had some surgery. When he's with the husband, he's dressed as a boy. But the court said to the husband that he cannot talk to the son about transgenderism. Oh, really? I, I can't believe that you can stop people from talking. What happened to freedom of speech? You mean they can't have articles, news articles laying on the coffee table that talk about it? Boy. You know, that wouldn't last long in my house or your house. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. <laughs> that would be uh, quite the thing. But uh, but that's what they're trying uh, to get to. That, um, For example, you heard one of the Democratic candidates for the presidency now say that if he becomes president and a church does not ordain gay people, I'm sorry, marry gay people, gay marriage, that they should have their tax exemption taken away. Yeah, from a political standpoint uh, or a constitutional standpoint, they're taking away the, the right of free speech. And, and that becomes something that uh, they're, they're going to start fighting in the court because already they decided that in many states that we have the right of free speech to come out and speak against homosexuality. But see, Not that we hurt them or destroy them. Once the Supreme Court makes a ruling, the state no longer is permitted to say no to that. And abortion is a great example. How the oh, Supreme yeah. Court came up with, you could kill and murder a baby in the womb is beyond me. But states are not permitted to outrightly say that you cannot do that. They can put down things like they're doing now, saying that if uh, the child is uh, aware and his brain is conscious of pain, then you can't abort. But you just mm. can't come straight out. So the Supreme Court, boy, that's really a dangerous place if you don't have the right people in there. Yeah, well, we've seen through the 200 years of Americanism how it swung back and forth. Even at one point, they said slavery was okay, only to come out later and say slavery was wrong. They said that also about Indians, that they were yeah. regular people, and then they changed that. So hopefully in time, we'll change both the abortion and the gay marriage, because it's just going to destroy people. Because God will not sit back and not bring negative consequences into those relationships. That's what he has mm -hmm. said he's going to be doing. So it's something that's, well, back to the original sin thing. Um, what, what surprises me is you have certain denominations that won't baptize children till the age of accountability. You mentioned it. But then they will punish their children when they are three or four years old if they do something wrong. Wrong, yes. Now, what happened to the age of accountability until they were 10, 11, or 12 years old? <laughs> yeah, they're just totally inconsistent because they have mythical views they have and don't want to leave them for the Bible. And has
this, uh, it, it, they're not paying attention to original sin because, as Christ himself said in Matthew, out of the heart proceeds all manners of evil. Exactly. And that heart is what you are born with. And we inherited that sin from Adam and Eve. And the way to get that solved is through faith in Christ. Exactly. Well said. All right. Looking forward to uh, next week. Um, praying you won't be on assignment. And uh, we'll be looking forward to what you come up with. That was a good decision. So on Open Mic Friday, which is tomorrow, uh, you can talk about the two kinds of righteousness we spoke about last week and also the two kinds of sin which we spoke about today. Open Mic Friday. Call in. Ask a question. I'll do my best in answering it. Till tomorrow then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.